Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. You're listening to Mark Power's Waterford History Podcast. Hello, welcome to the seventh episode of Mark Power's Waterford History Podcast. I'm just coming back now for a, a Christmas break. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, the seventh episode here is going back to the Spanish Civil War. This is uh, Manus O'Reardon, who featured on my documentary on the Spanish Civil War. Uh, his father was the leader of the Irish Communist Party for many years and was one of the first, I suppose, historians of the Irish involvement in the Spanish Civil War, where he himself had served. Um, and he had some pretty interesting information on uh, the experience in the Spanish Civil War, how people got there, their experiences of trying to get from uh, Waterford to, or Cork to England, then through France and on to Spain. Um, so it was an interesting conversation and uh, again just kind of complements that um, documentary on the Spanish Civil War that went out uh, previously. So that's the second uh, interview from the Spanish Civil War that um, I'm putting out on this podcast. Uh, there may be more to follow but I want to go back over um, the History of Waterford 20 Objects documentary. It was done a few years ago as well so we'll be putting a few of those out in the next few episodes anyway this is Madison Reardon uh, hope you enjoyed thanks you're listening to Mark Powers Waterford History Podcast Madison if I can just start off by asking you about, about your own father he was very significant in the Irish involvement in uh, on the Republican side in the Spanish Civil War uh, how did he get politicised and, and, and involved before the war, but was it kind of the lead up to his involvement? Well, as, as a kid, he would have been a member of uh, Fianna Erden, and uh, he uh, he was acutely aware of the the poverty around him in Cork City. His own family weren't poor, although they had poor family backgrounds, the previous generation, uh, but by, the, by, by my father's... Uh, time uh, they, they had a shop but I mean he saw in the in the inner city of, of Cork the, the sheer poverty there and that radicalized him and uh, in fact he was uh, he would have only about been 16 years of age when at a Bodenstone demonstration in in uh, uh, a commemoration uh, in 1934 uh, he came into contact with members of the Communist Party and he, he joined up uh, the Communist Party at that stage uh, although uh, uh, discreetly so he wasn't openly a member of the Communist Party uh, up to the time he went to Spain and indeed when he came back from Spain he was a member of the IRA in Cork uh, but it was the reading of James Connolly then uh, witnessing the poverty and then reading James Connolly is what in fact would have radicalised him and uh, he, did re- he had a reaction against the reaction in Cork when the Spanish Civil War broke out and the Irish Christian Front was supporting the Franco side and they had, they had this mass rally in Cork uh, which uh, disgusted him so much that it made made up his mind that as soon as possible he would uh, go to Spain uh, he didn't get to Spain till uh, uh, the 19... Uh, 1938. Uh, he was to go, due to go a year earlier, but he had a, a, an appendix uh, operation, so that delayed him a, a year longer. Uh, but uh, at the age of 20, uh, he in uh, early 1938, he, he headed for Spain. Uh, it's interesting you were talking there about that rally in Cork. I mean, obviously, he, he had a fairly clear idea of, of who his 
I don't know if enemy is too strong a word, but he, he yeah. didn't he didn't like that attitude that was used in Ireland at the time. That's right. I mean, he would have any uh, prior to that, he would have been involved in the Republican counter demonstrations against the blue shirts. So that the nature of the conflict within Ireland itself, uh, if you like, in his mind was intensified by the reaction of the same forces uh, who were supporting uh, uh, Franco, and he was opposed to them. Now, obviously, the Communist Party had uh, was an international um, uh, had an international reach, and the Communist Party was fundamental to the establishment of the international brigades. Is that right? Yeah, it was a decision by the Communist International in, in Moscow that uh, uh, each uh, member Communist Party should organise volunteers to go to the aid of uh, of the Spanish Republic. So, without that degree of organisation, uh, the volunteers wouldn't have got there uh, and and wouldn't have been mobilised first of all in their own countries to go and then when they went uh, the, the process of getting into Spain uh, was also organised by the Communist Party in fact the the man in charge in Paris for the Communist International uh, was a man by the name of Tito who was later the leader of the Yugoslav Partisans and, and, and President of Yugoslavia so a key Communist International functioning was there in Paris throughout ensuring that everything was organised properly and as well, speaking of that organisation, uh, could you give me an idea of how uh, these young Irish volunteers, a lot of them never left the country before in their life, yeah. how did they get from Cork or Waterford or wherever yeah. down to uh, the front in Spain? Well, in the case of, of, of my father, he had never even been outside the country to England. So it was his first time to, to leave these shores. And I suppose whether it was a degree of nervousness or, or what, but when he was getting on the train, uh, supposedly from Cork to Dublin, he actually got on the wrong train and ended up in Limerick. So he had to retrace his steps. And then he took the boat across to Liverpool, uh, I think hitched uh, his way down to London and uh, all the time in England using an, an assumed name he took the name of some some Englishman although how he got away with it with his Cork accent I'm not too sure but uh, it obviously worked and at that stage in those years it was possible to uh, take a, a boat across uh, to, from Britain to France uh, across channel boat uh, as, as a sort of a weekend trip without requiring a visa or, or a passport or anything like that so uh, all the volunteers who were who were then going from Britain to France uh, went on these supposed weekend trips and of course if they didn't come back on the weekend they made their way down to Paris and in Paris um they were uh, grilled, uh, told just how bad the war was, uh, that they didn't want anybody volunteering who, was, uh, who wasn't up to it uh, at a later stage. So, in fact, there were shock tactics used that they, they brought in uh, some very badly wounded volunteers to show the, the, the would-be volunteers uh, uh, just how bad war was. And uh, it was said that anyone, anybody who doesn't now want to proceed, uh, we won't think badly if you step back. And my father said a few people did in fact step back so in fact they had no illusions about the war uh, the, uh, they were told how, just how bad it was and then clandestinely because the border was sealed there Britain, uh, Britain and France uh, in, under the so-called non-intervention pact uh, was preventing aid getting to, uh, to uh, uh, France and, and, and preventing volunteers uh, uh, sort of preventing aid getting to Spain and preventing volunteers getting to, to Spain so in fact 
they clandestinely uh, took in small groups, took the train down to uh, down to the, the Pyrenees, the, the French side of, of the border, and then in in the dead of night, uh, smugglers were uh, employed to uh, bring them across clandestine smugglers' routes in, in, in over the Pyrenees mountains into Spain, and that's how they got to Spain. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's quite a trip uh, uh, for them to get there. Once they got there, uh, and you know, your, you said your father arrived there maybe a, a bit later than some of the others. What, what was the situation when they got there in Spain? Well, uh, my father knew before he got to Spain at all from the way the war had uh, had been proceeding that the, the Republic was going to lose, but he was committed to fighting for the Republic anyhow. So he had no illusions about uh, a victory for the Republic, uh, but it was it was a question of how long you could keep up the fight against fascism. And in fact, when my father got to Spain, uh, most of the territory was in Franco hands, uh, in, including uh, significant sections of of, of, of Catalonia and uh, it was in Catalonia that my father w- was fighting but there was one last major offensive that the Republic mounted uh, called the Battle of the Ebro in July uh, 1938 in which my father participated and they crossed the, the River Ebro and recaptured some of the fascist controlled land but could go could only proceed too far so far so far before they were stymied by the aerial bombardments and the superior armaments of the fascist side and uh, Catalonia was was lost uh, uh, at that point they, they would eventually have to retreat across the Ebro and indeed at the end of 1938 the international brigades were withdrawn by the Spanish Republic itself but uh, there was that one last major offensive in which my father participated. Um, how were the Irish uh, organised uh, when they um, when they went out there? A few. There were already a few individuals in 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 Spain at, at towards the end of of, of 1936. Bill Scott uh, from Dublin was the first uh, Irish combatant to go to Spain, and uh, a lad from uh, Achill Island, Tommy Patton, was killed in the def- in the defence of Madrid uh, towards uh, towards the end of 1936. But the first major grouping went out with 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 with, with Frank Ryan, and uh, they formed a. a, 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 a James Connolly uh, unit uh, within a group of English-speaking uh, volunteers. By the time uh, the the, the uh, they were organised into actual battalions, and when a, a British battalion was formed, the Irish were uh, I- in that in that British battalion. Um, there were some disagreements with, with between some of the men and some of the officers, and uh, there was actually a meeting called as to whether they should continue in the British battalion or. Uh, uh, transfer to the American battalion. Uh, the politically minded people, whether they be communist or, or IRA men, uh, like uh, uh, Peter O'Connor and the Power Brothers, and uh, a Marxist uh, like a poet like uh, Charlie Donnelly, the politically minded Republicans wanted to stay with with, with the British battalion because th- that in in the interest of of, of uh, internationalist solidarity, but also in terms of in fact educating their British fellow uh, volunteers about the nature of imperialism, that that's who you should be fighting alongside. Uh, but there was a vote uh, taken and this, uh, by a slight majority uh, of the group that was there, uh, there was a decision to switch to the uh, American battalion. And that's how Peter O'Connor and, and, and the Power Brothers uh, ended up fighting in the Battle of Harama and the Battle of uh, Brunette in the, in the American battalion. And there was a James Connolly section within the American battalion 
but with the, the amount of casualties that were ha- happening on all fronts, uh, in fact, the remaining Irish who are, who are there in the American battalion towards the end of the war transferred back into uh, the British battalion, and that would have been the case with with with, with Johnny Power. Uh, uh, those volunteers who went out later than uh, that. that 1937 period, including my father, would have gone straight into the British battalion, and it was with the British battalion that my, my father fought. But it was a British battalion that had a very strong anti-imperialist uh, uh, position, because in fact two of its commanders, uh, Peter Daly, who was killed in action, and Paddy O'Dare, were Irishmen, and uh, the final commander of the, Brit- of the British battalion, Sam Wilde from Manchester, came from an Irish Fenian uh, background, and indeed, as an indication of um, his commitment to anti-imperialism. Not alone did they have a, a Bodenstown Wolf Tone commemoration for the whole of the British Battalion uh, in, in June uh, 1938 on, on the Spanish front itself, but uh, when they were crossing uh, the, the Ebro at the beginning of that Battle of the Ebro, each company carried uh, two flags, one the flag of the Spanish Republic and the other the flag of Catalonia. And in the case of my father, Sam Wilde handing the Catal- Catalan flag to my father said uh, the Irish and the Catalans have similar national questions so it's appropriate for an Irishman to carry the flag so the British battalion was a British battalion made up of anti-imperialists it wasn't in the traditions of the British army at all at all uh, you mentioned two battles there, the the the, the, the Harama, which is the first one that 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 the Irish were, were heavily. Uh, in, well, no, they were there from the beginning. There were there was fighting in in La Pera, uh, 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 in Andalusia at, at the very beginning, and in fact, one of the first Waterford volunteers, uh, Frank Edwards, was involved in in the fighting there. So uh, they were really fighting on all fronts. But uh, the, the when it came to Franco mobilizing to try and capture Madrid. Madrid and uh, the whole purpose of Franco's, uh, the whole purpose of the Battle of Harama uh, from uh, from Franco's point of view was to try and break the road, uh, breach the, ro- the road between Madrid and Valencia. Uh, that 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 was a key objective uh, and a key objective in the defence of Madrid from the Republican point of view. Uh, so that while there were so many heavy casualties in that whole ba- Battle of Harama on the Republican side, they kept the road open, and that was something that b- when I went back to her. Uh, for an international brigade commemoration in 1996. Peter O'Connor was so proud to be back in, 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 in the spot where they had held the line and saved Madrid by keeping the road to Valencia open that the fascists did not triumph at Harama. Um, but the circumstances under which that battle was fought, was, uh, was fought were very trying for the uh, for the soldiers there, weren't they? In, in terms of you know what they were up against and what they had themselves. Well, you see, there were been uh, the, the most superior armaments, including uh, uh, bombers, uh, bo- uh, aircraft bombers, were being supplied to the fascist side by Italy and Germany, while the so-called democracies, Britain and France, uh, strangled the Republic and wouldn't allow any armaments in. Uh, some armaments got in uh, from. From from Russia, uh, uh, but they were they were also were of of, of poor quality, uh, and so un, so underarmed was the Spanish Republican side that uh, Peter O'Connor uh, described going into battle where you would have more men going into battle than possess guns, and uh, that in fact uh, you would actually be going to battle as, uh, w- without a rifle in your hand, but you you would pick up the rifle of one of your comrades who had just been killed, so that the rifle was shared between dead. And, and living men, uh, as the case may be. Uh, 
Uh, so, I mean, that was an indication of uh, almost... Uh, going into the valley of the shadow of death uh, without a rifle and your your only chance of getting a rifle was if one of your own comrades was killed. The Waterford men that, that, that I'm interested in, um, obviously your father would, would have known them. Um, I was just wondering if you could maybe uh, give your impressions of some of them, particularly I suppose Johnny Power, uh, 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 because in, in, in the literature he, he, he comes out as quite a significant figure. Yes, I mean, Johnny Power basically fought all the way from Harama through to, through to Brunette, uh, through to the very last engagement uh, of the International Brigades in September 1938 in, in uh, near near Gandesa and he was had uh, he was a remarkable man and uh, I mean it was uh, there were the Irish men were amongst the uh, British battalion people killed at the very end of that very last engagement but Johnny Power in fact succeeded in coming through that uh, as a commander a company commander and saving his uh, the particular group he was with when all around them uh, people were being just massacred by the fascists so he was one remarkable man and I think uh, he stands out as one of the great heroes of the uh, Irish involvement in the Spanish uh, anti-fascist war I suppose one of the things that I don't know if you can have a perspective on this but one of the things that strikes me is you have these men going they're essentially they're amateurs they're not trained soldiers and they go out and they perform the way they do for so long in, in, in circumstances where casualties are very high where uh, the chances of being killed or being hit are very high uh, how you know how did they how did they manage that how did you know how do you get someone like Johnny Johnny Power who seems like a natural born leader how, how do they manage well, in the Irish case, in fact, uh, a lot of them benefited from previous IRA training. Uh, and that was uh, critically important because a lot of the Irish who went out there with that IRA background were actually... Uh, told to operate as military instructors for volunteers who were coming that didn't have a military background. I mean, in case of some older men uh, from both the German and Austrian and Hungarian side, as well as the uh, English and, and, and French uh, and Belgian side, some of them might have been uh, World War I veterans. Uh, but in most cases, uh, people did not have a, have a, have a military background or, or experience. But as, as I said, most of the IRA, most of the Irish, Irish volunteers uh, had a uh, a Republican background and indeed I remember meeting a, a, a veteran of the American Lincoln Brigade who said he owed his life to uh, two uh, Irish Republicans in, in the, uh, who were in the Amer American Battalion because they instructed him how to duck and dive and protect himself and not be foolhardy in, in, in opening fire and exposing himself uh, in the process to uh, enemy fire. So they found the, the IRA training of the Irish volunteers amongst them of, a, of immense help in coming through themselves and surviving that particular war uh, yeah, thanks I haven't appreciated that thanks very much um, the um, uh, the casualty rates um, were very significant weren't they, they, were, I mean, yeah, yeah. they like, you had a very good chance of being shot oh you had a very good chance of being shot uh, and I mean I mean the uh, there were about uh, sixty of the Irish lost their lives there out of maybe about about two hundred volunteers. So that was a very high high casualty rate, uh, and uh, I mean it showed how ludicrous the uh, position on the other side was when you had seven hundred men volunteering to go out with Ono Duffy to fight on the fascist side. Uh, they only lasted six months. Uh, they had a handful of casualties, and some of their casualties were from so-called uh, friendly fire when some of their own side 
side opened fire on them on the assumption that when they heard English being spoken that these were international brigaders they were firing on. So uh, the, the contrast between the behaviour of O'Duffy's fascist brigade and the Irish volunteers who fought for the Republic was uh, an immense contrast. Um, the uh, the treatment of uh, of prisoners and so on by the fascists. I mean, it, it was a it was a brutal war. Is that something that either your father or anybody would have come across that that, that idea of you know uh, the danger of surrendering that this wasn't a war that was being paid necessarily by the normal rules? Was that something they were aware of? Oh, the standard practice, in fact, on the fascist side was to uh, not take prisoners. It was to to execute, uh, and uh, in fact, so, uh, some of the people I know myself. Uh, Bob Doyle and Morris Levitas from from Dublin, who were captured along with with Frank Ryan, uh, their expectation was to be shot and would have been shot by the Spanish fascists, except that the Italian fascists were in on the scene there, and the Italian fascist uh, uh, strategy was, in fact, to take prisoners so that they could be exchanged for their people, who in turn had been taken prisoner by the Republic. So there was a, it was the very fact of the prospect of prisoner exchange at some future stage that ensured the survival of, of international brigaders who were captured during the course of, of, of 1938. Um, the atrocities that were committed on the Republican side, is that something that you think the Irish brigaders would have been aware of or would have witnessed? I know it was something that was more kind of behind the scenes with the anarchists and stuff, but, but is it something they would have been aware of or... They would have been aware that there had been atrocities at the big be- at the beginning of the war when uh, when when there was in fact no overall Spanish governmental control. When Franco staged his revol- revolt, there was an outbreak of, of anger, uh, and pr- primarily by, le- le- led by uh, by anarchists. There were uh, a number of atrocities, which, however, were clamped down on. It was at the very early, early stage of, of, of the war that you had those atrocities on the Republican side, and they, they had ceased by the time there was any Irish involvement uh, in, in going out to Spain. But they were, they, were, they were aware of the propaganda. They were, were aware of of the fact that there was substance uh, to some of the propaganda at, at, at the very beginning, but they were also aware of the discipline uh, having been restored. And uh, there were certainly no uh, atrocities going on in any of the the areas where the Irish uh, fought during that anti-fascist war. Um, but I, I suppose I did want to kind of look at how they were looked upon at home. That th- th- Those atrocity stories and the, the propaganda were, were obviously very important in Ireland in terms of how the war was viewed. Yes. Um, what, how did they feel about that when they came back and, and uh, as the war was, was reported uh, at home in, in what was still a, a, very, a very Catholic country? Well, I mean, my father would have been uh, consciously aware that his uh, particularly very religious mother must have suffered a lot from that uh, attitude of people towards her, that her son was fighting for the Reds. Uh, and indeed, when my father was wounded, he sent a telegram home to his mother uh, saying he was okay. Uh, he was wounded, but he was okay and, and was being looked after medically and had come through it all. Uh, but the uh, post office official delivering the telegram threw it at my grandmother and said, uh, it's dead, he should be, he's fighting against Christ. So that uh, epitomized the, uh, the, the strength of uh, pro-Franco feeling at home. And my, again, my father being sensitive to his mother's religious beliefs when he was recuperating in Barcelona uh, before uh, coming home, he actually found a, a, a picture or a, 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 a painting 
of uh, the Blessed Virgin uh, and Child uh, being serenaded by, by guitar. Uh, but what was unique about that Blessed Virgin was that around uh, her feet were, were the colours of the Spanish Republic, the red, yellow and purple. So you had a, a Spanish Republican Blessed Virgin, but he brought that home uh, to his mother and uh, I now possess that particular uh, picture. I can show it you in the way out. Actually, you can't put it on the radio, but I can show it to you. <laughs> is it? Is it? But I like. I find that, I always find it quite interesting about about these men because they were, you know, uh, uh, I mean, they, they, you know, the fact that the idea that they were fighting Christ was propaganda, but but you know, the, the country was very Catholic. Was was there any kind of sense of? discomfort from them themselves that 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 the priests might have been angry or that they have a, a very clear attitude that these were maybe the priests they didn't pay much attention to well particularly in the case of republicans uh, they knew the attitude of the hierarchy during our own civil war so they were steeled to clerical condemnation so it wasn't so much clerical condemnation that that they were worried about is that the clerical con condemnation in this particular case had an influence on on the populace at large and it had an influence on their neighbors and my my father said that when he came home from spain uh neighbors from his own uh, uh houses would actually cross the street rather than cross, walk on the same footpath when they saw him coming because they'd be walking on the same footpath as some agent of Satan. So there was that, uh, that horrific atmosphere that still prevailed and that they would have been hurt. Uh, I mean, I, I know I, one particular person I knew, uh, uh, John McGrotty, his brother had actually been a Christian brother, uh, Eamon McGrotty from Derry, and he, he was uh, killed in 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 the, uh, the 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 battle of of Harama, uh, and uh, John was so religious himself that when we went back to where there was a burial place for some of the uh, international brigaders in Harama, he brought some. Uh, he, he carried his brother's own brother's missile with him, uh, a photograph of his brother, and uh, some earth from uh, the Magrati family grave to put on, on this mass grave of international brigaders, and vice versa. He took some earth from that to put back in the McGrathy family grave but uh, a particularly hurtful uh, experience he had as, was when they got, when the McGrathy family got news of, of, of Eamon's death uh, they asked for a mass to be said in, in, in Derry Cathedral uh, for the repose of a soul and the bishop himself said to him there's no point in saying uh, any mass uh, for, for Eamon because uh, he, he it won't get him out of hell so uh, he quite apart from losing their son the, 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 the parents of John John of Eamon McGrathy were told by the bishop he's not only dead he's in hell and there's no question of having any mass said for him so that was the degree of the fanaticism on the church side but also the suffering of genuine religious believers who were confronted with that fanaticism yeah, I suppose it's one thing to kind of dismiss what the bishop is saying, but if your if your if your mother is upset, that's yeah. that's that's harder, I suppose, yes. to deal with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Um, what was the um uh, the kind of as the years went by? Uh, how was it? Was it was it for someone like your father? Was it a uh, was it was it a constant in his life, or was it something that kind of drifted away into the past? Was it something he had to be reminded of? I mean, obviously, you were interested in it. Did did he talk about it? Was he interested in it? Well, I mean, it, it was he in 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 nineteen. 
beginning, I'd say, in, in around the late 1960s, he spent the best part of 10 years writing his book, The Connolly Column, which was finally published in 1979, in order to record uh, the, the the story of the Irish who fought in Spain. But it wasn't uh, an ongoing preoccupation with him. He was a political activist uh, for the whole of his life and became General Secretary of the Communist Party. So he wasn't caught in any time warp. He was fighting current uh, political and, 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 so, and social struggles. But he was determined uh, that there would be uh, commemoration in the form of that book. Uh, but in terms of... He wrote that book in such a way that he, in fact, he, he hardly mentioned himself in the book itself. He was telling other people's stories. So he even wrote about people in the third person. I mean, I, I read about this Irish volunteer who carried the Catalan flag. And then I read about another Irish volunteer who, when they had the Wolf Tone commemoration, sang about the boys who bet the black and tans with the boys from the County Cork. I, I, on two different occasions, I asked my father, by the way, who was that volunteer? Oh, that was me. So he didn't even put himself in the story when he was in the story he wrote in the third person but he would never have actually uh, spoken about the war to me uh, until we actually went back there in, in, in 1988 it was the first time in 50 years he'd been back in in, in in the battlefields where he had fought and it was only then he started opening up about uh, how people beside him had been shot and the manner in which they'd been shot and seeing other comrades killed uh, but up to that point he actually had never spoken to me uh, of his own personal experiences of war there were there were too horrific in many respects uh, uh, and it was not something that he dwelt upon but it remained a, a, an inspiration for him and the final vindication was that great gathering of International Brigade veterans in 1996 in Spain itself, the welcome they received uh, from ordinary people but also the vindication they received from the Spanish Parliament itself which voted unanimously that they were entitled to take out Spanish citizenship and it was that final vindication of Spain itself that in fact uh, so heartened my father that said that made him realize how worthwhile that whole struggle had been it was a quite a significant welcome they got in 96 yes. at the time wasn't it it was indeed yes because uh, myself and my sister and my my late wife and all three of my children we were with my father meeting these other remarkable volunteers and we traveled uh, from madrid uh, to barcelona to bilbao and to guernica and uh, the experience of, of of the welcome we got was was overwhelming you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like taking those perfect new year, new you portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE to learn more or visit a store today. Wherever you go, however you go, for energy on the go, it's got to be 5-Hour Energy. It works fast, it works long, it tastes good, and with zero sugar and four calories, there's nothing holding you back. Fits your pocket, fits your backpack, fits your on-the-go life, whether you're going to work, going on vacation, or just going out with friends. 5-Hour Energy. Energy on the go. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com.